Airport lounges are popping up everywhere, and almost every major airline and credit card company seems to want to get in on it. You bailed in an airport, it's very pricey. They're spending millions of dollars to attract customers and keep them spending. Customers reward companies that take care of them, and we feel really strongly that the lounges are a big part of that for us. If you pay up and you're willing to commit to that airline over the long term and make it like a partner basically for your travel experience and they're willing to reward you with, with better perks. More than half of frequent travelers surveyed visit a lounge at some point during their journeys. But as their popularity increases, so do the challenges of operating them, like overcrowding. After scavenging the grounds, I finally found a table. Once again, it is Hunger Games, true Hunger Games, to get into a lounge and actually find a seat. I would say any wait is too long, and we are doing everything we can to minimize that. As companies invest more money and effort into improving travel, loyalty status and lounge access are becoming increasingly harder to qualify for. There are over 3,200 airport lounges worldwide. The United States has more than 300 of them, with individual airports in New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco home to the most locations. And there's a lot of ways you can qualify to get into them. First and business class tickets will typically come with lounge access for most international travel. But airlines like American, United, and Delta restrict lounge entry for most domestic flights. Many major airlines also have branded credit cards that allow you to earn frequent flyer miles from everyday purchases to use toward free flights. You get to earn elite status when you reach certain spending thresholds. Status at an airline comes with a host of benefits like free seat upgrades, free checked bags, premium customer service, and of course, lounge access. Modern lounges often include amenities like an open bar, unlimited food, spas, gym, and even local art installations. In Boston specifically, we have a tap room, right, which really kind of leans into the Boston beer culture, but with a sapphire twist. Chase, Capital One, and American Express also have their own lines of premium travel credit cards that are not airline-specific. These cards earn points and miles that can then be transferred to a number of different airlines. Chase and Capital One are both in the early stages of creating a lounge network of their own. Capital One launched its first in 2021 in Dallas, and Chase opened its first U.S. lounge in Boston of May of 2023. Chase has announced the creation of five more. Lounges continues to be the number one reason why a lot of our customers get and keep the card. So it was natural extension for us to move into creating our own proprietary lounge network. Lounge investment and lower annual fees are keeping these cards competitive in the travel space to rival the American Express Platinum, which offers access to its signature Centurion Lounge system. And while these premium travel credit cards aren't cheap, they offer travel credit kickbacks of up to $300. The first Centurion Lounge was created in Las Vegas in 2013. And since then, American Express has added over 20 locations worldwide. The company currently operates 13 of them in the United States, with more on the way. 20% of overall foot volume on airlines are, are business travel, are high frequency travelers and whatnot. And the other 80% are people that travel maybe only once a year. And so you don't necessarily have a loyalty to an airline at that point, but you may have loyalty to a credit card. Premium tickets for those in business class are becoming more readily available and customers appear more willing to pay for the additional space. For example, from 2009 to 2019, the share of premium Delta tickets sold rose dramatically. United expects to increase its number of premium seats by 75% by 2026. Overall, the average airline ticket price has also steadily decreased over the past 25 years. Adjusting for inflation, domestic flights averaged over $575 in 1995. 
Today, the average trip costs $382. Historically, the difference between first class and economy was an eye-popping number. Today, it's much more reasonable and it's, you know, the minute you try it, the more likely you're going to try it again in the future. As lounges become more accessible, overcrowding can become a problem. We added 900 seats last year. Um, we are adding 2,700 seats this year. So that is every action we're taking. That's what we're taking it for so that our customers won't have to wait. Delta told CNBC that it is not considering a reservation system for access to its lounges. Reservation is a complicated system at the end because you're arriving from a flight or you're taking an Uber from the city 15-20 minutes late. Do I hold your seat? Do I give it away? It works in, in the restaurant scene when you have a table assigned to you. This is a little bit more complicated. American Express allows its Centurion Lounge guests to check in via a mobile app, but access is still not guaranteed. Capital One is currently experimenting with a digital waitlist system. We are testing in our app now, and I would think of the digital waitlist less like a reservation and more like the ability to kind of join a list ahead of time so that your place in line is secured and less of a guaranteed table. In 1940, American Airlines introduced the first lounge for customers at the New York Municipal Terminal, now LaGuardia Airport. There were no membership dues, but you had to be invited. The clubs became so coveted that in 1967, American Airlines opened its doors to anyone that would pay its annual dues of $25. Lifetime memberships went for $250. That would be equivalent to just over $2,000, accounting for inflation in 2023. The 1960s saw the expansion of airport lounges across carriers. The Transworld Airlines sunken lounge still exists today in the TWA Hotel, with themed cocktails and decor from the decade. American Airlines Advantage program was launched in 1981, and just like its first private lounge, membership started out by invitation only for the airline's most frequent travelers. United and Delta both launched loyalty programs that same year. Loyalty programs arose after the Airline Deregulation Act of 1978 and removed government controls over industry prices. The intent was to allow market forces to determine the prices going forward. The rise of loyalty programs fueled the transformation of airlines going from upscale waiting areas to immersive luxury experiences by the 1980s. As we've seen kind of the volume of guests who are interested in having access to a lounge as that's grown, we've worked to continue to add new locations and expand the locations we have to make sure that we can accommodate those guests. As more people traveled, lounges became more in demand and more accessible. In 2002, almost 613 million passengers flew out of U.S. airports. In 2022, that number was more than 850 million. Lounge experiences in the past have typically been designed more around business travelers. And today, people are traveling very differently than they did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. They're traveling more with family and friends and in groups and, you know, blending business and leisure travel. Airlines and credit card companies spend millions to secure space in an airport but these lounges aren't making them much money, at least not directly. It's not a moneymaker for us. It's about offering that experience for people who pay a premium to fly on Delta. Uh, we don't look at them as a profit center. We need to ensure that they serve the purpose why we build them, which is, you know, really making the lounge a reason to fly the airline. That's our main goal. Delta, for example, they're expecting to get their Amex contribution up to about $10 billion over the long term. So it's a big number. Right now, loyalty in general is about, call it 10 to 15% of overall revenue for a larger airline. And for premium travel credit cards like Chase, American Express, and Capital One, the main goal is new customers. 
airport lounges in general are the, the number one reason why someone would sign up for the credit card. The pandemic created a $35 billion loss for U.S. airlines. Pent-up travel demand has since led to people flocking back. People's pent-up demand to get out and see the world and, and willing to invest in premium products. And thankfully, the airline was one of the products that people are willing to invest. The trend toward premiumization started before the pandemic and has since taken off. Overall economy seats uh, from a configuration standpoint really haven't grown in 10 years or so, uh, maybe even 20. So it's been a long time since the economy uh, section has, has grown, but really the, the growth in, in overall seats has really been more on the premium side. But this travel surge may be cooling off according to some analysts. American has partnered loyalty programs with British Airways for three of their lounges at JFK International Airport. The first time that we ha have partnered with them to this degree in really from the beginning designing and creating these joint lounges. And so the three joint premium lounges here at JFK are truly just cabin or status-based entry. It's not a credit card or a membership that gets you in. This relationship dates back to 1982, when American Airlines and British Airways first partnered their loyalty programs, laying the foundation for modern-day airline alliances. Please do not get mad at the messenger. But we have some annoying news for Delta's most frequent flyers. On September 13, 2023, Delta announced changes to its SkyMiles program, causing customer backlash. They don't care how much you fly, they just care how much money you spend. A month later, the company said it would be walking back some of the more stringent changes. However, Delta Sky Miles Reserve and American Express Platinum cardholders who currently enjoy unlimited Sky Club access will still need to spend at least $75,000 for the same privilege beginning in 2025. Unless you hold an annual membership, which costs $695, starting as early as 2024, those flying basic economy with Delta will not be able to access its lounges. Delta joins American and United who have also raised their spending requirements to achieve status. This is a copycat industry in general. So someone has a, the, the, the new shiny object, uh, there's, there's going to be a one-up at, at some point. That goes for labor, that goes for pricing, that goes for product, that goes for basically everything. 